You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach. I'm Brandon. A.K.A. DJ Edge. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) And you're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. You know you are. The show where we take some of your favorite movies from the 1990s to the mid-2000s, and we rip off those rose-colored glasses, and then we stomp them into the dirt. We pick up that dirt, and we throw it back in your face. Seems just excessive. Don't worry about it. They know what they're into. We're 10 episodes in. That's right. That's a special 10 episodes of Nostalgia Be Damned. Want to thank everybody for listening. It's a special episode, not only because it's number 10, but this is also an episode where we've been talking about this concept a little bit where you've seen a movie that I haven't seen. Next week, we'll do a movie that I've seen that you haven't seen. That's pretty cool and different. We're evolving it's pretty sweet the 10th anniversary my aunt sent me a a gift card for or a birthday card rather ten dollars in it what am i gonna do maybe you should invest it in the show because we have no sponsors well you may have heard a chuckle or two beforehand that's right there are three voices here in the room today first time ever Yep. A nostalgia be damn popping of the cherry here right now. Yep, that's what also makes this a special episode. We are joined by a third guest host here today. Brandon, why don't you introduce So him? this is uh, Jamie Guyon. He's a fellow friend, fellow movie aficionado, and we actually have a, a YouTube show we do called We Need Movies. It's uh, taper off slightly, but we keep up with reviews. Jamie specifically does uh, movie reviews on kind of indie stuff that don't necessarily come up to where we are in our neck of the woods. But Jamie, introduce yourself, my friend. I understand you also have a podcast of your own. I pop cherries. <laughs> Sorry, I had to wait for that one. It was a long, long, uh, pull. It was a I, long uh, wait for that joke. <laughs> it's but it paid off. Like, it absolutely paid off. I'm like baiting, baited breath here. Okay, here we go. I host a podcast called Not Quite Hollywood where we discuss films and topics. We usually go even episodes for topics and odd episodes for films. Right on. And try to keep it a little generic yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and free-flowing. Very cool. Yeah. And you'll be, you'll be able to plug this later, but just really quick, where can people find this podcast? iTunes and Stitcher, Not Quite Hollywood. All right, we'll All right. leave the, we'll leave some stuff in the notes in the in, in the in the show notes. Can we do that? A little a little link or something like that, Zach? Can we do that? Uh, maybe, Brandon. Why don't you get off my back? I'll figure this out later. Oh no, tenth tenth show. Let's go to 1997. We're going to be doing our first horror film. Okay. Now, when we first started this show, this is we do films from the early you know the 90s, early 2000s about films that we grew up loving. I wanted to do a slasher film for a while now because I loved slasher horror movies as a kid. But um, the ones that really stuck with me, Halloween and Scream, were actually the first two R-rated movies I ever watched. They're still some of my favorite movies of all time. But we had to do a movie that we had to check to see if it held up. Scream holds up. It's I was going to say we movie. just can't do Scream where Scream is like like we know Scream is good. Yeah, it definitely holds up. There's no sense revisiting it. Uh, but I know what you did last summer. Kevin Williams' second feature film uh, based off one of his scripts. Interestingly enough, this was actually written before Scream. Scream was such a massive success that they put this immediately into production. I couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> Quality. Quality. No, that's, the, that's the thing. These scripts are night and day. Like You could not tell that this is written by the same guy. This no. is so cliche. It's filled with them. It's crazy. It is, this is... When you think of like what scary movie used to make fun of, and yeah. obviously there's a lot of 
references to this particular movie and scary movie, but this is exactly exactly what you think of when you think of these 90s slasher films. It's just, you know, these very good-looking teenagers, they're in trouble, they're stupid, how do they get away? It, this is the perfect 90s slashers film. Now, th- there's a few specific scenes in this that it's actually kind of hard to watch without thinking of scary movie. Uh, the yeah. scene where she's literally outside screaming, what are you waiting for? And a few of the pageant scenes. Like, it's it's impossible not to just bust out laughing because of your thoughts on, on yeah. scary movie. But to take us back into the mindset of ourselves in 1997, Zach, you've actually never seen this film. Never before. saw this movie, which is, again, one thing that we've been thinking about doing on this podcast um i had never seen this you know you you hear all these references of this movie especially this movie it seems like a lot of people kind of emulate not only the plot but a lot of specific dialogue in this movie so i came into this with fresh eyes but you were aware of it oh of course yeah Yeah. well it's you know for it's a popular film i was gonna say as bad as it is it's a popular film a lot of people know about it, even if they haven't seen it, and I'm I happen to be in that party. Jamie, what did you think of it back in 90, uh, 1997? I watched pretty much everything. Yeah, and um, I watched this and the sequel, which we may not get into. <laughs> we'll touch on it. Okay, sure. We'll, we'll definitely just kind of skim. <laughs> Let's just say, yeah, man, skadoosh. Holy shit, Jack Black <laughs> in the sequel. We'll get yeah, to it. But, oh yeah, my sure. god. Um, no, this film was uh, a fan favorite. My brother and I watched this a lot. We watched, uh, we, we rather rented a lot of films over and over mm-hmm. again, and these were one of the ones we constantly rented. And, uh, you know, looking back on it, you, I guess you don't realize how just weird it is compared to Scream. Because Scream was such a, like, a, a new level and a higher echelon of yeah. quality. Well, you know, w- one thing I was thinking of when we were watching this movie was that you think of the movies, the horror slasher films that we have now, we think of, like, Saw. We think of um, just it, these sure. movies that really kind of shock us. There was nothing really shocking or even really scary about this movie. It is just like, you know, but this is what our standard was back then when it came to these horror films. Yeah, the body count is decidedly low. There's only six people like, who die. Yeah. There are six people who die in this movie, but they're very sporadic, very spaced out, and there's just not a lot of gore or violence really at all. This is really more of a Dawson's Creek episode with, like, <laughs> some violence thrown in. It, it, may, it reminds me more of the Scream television series of today. The, the the barely anything that I've seen of it, but it's just very glossed over, like preppy, good looking kids in peril, and it's it's not as fun as I remember. No, definitely. <laughs> but not. let's jump into it, man. It's got a five point six on IMDb and a thirty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Hmm. Uh, Roger Ebert gave the film only one out of four stars. He his, his <laughs> direct quote was, "Direct quote was the best shot in this film was the first one, not a good sign." <laughs> <laughs> Which is correct. It actually the film starts with this very giant sweeping crane or helicopter shot over the the ocean, which is a solid two and a half minutes of it like finding the winding road and this try to following a car. Right, it's a tracking shot. Yeah, but it takes forever. Well, so we were making a joke while we were watching this movie was that. Uh, they probably spent their entire budget just on this helicopter <laughs> yeah. shot because everything else is just kind of like it's crappy. So I, it costs seventeen million dollars to make. Okay, wow. Wound up uh, making seventy-two million in the U.S. and one hundred twenty-five million worldwide. So this was twentieth uh, in the year of nineteen ninety-seven for box office uh, projections. All or, things or considered, not terrible. That's a huge haul. Yeah. That's a big haul. And and to put that in perspective, Scream Two which also released the same year, 97. This is just a year after Scream. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one placed 14th on the list. So 
This is when horror movies are starting to make quite a bit of money. Scream and Scream 2 both made over $100 million. And to put in perspective how fast this movie was made, Scream came out in December of 96. They didn't realize it was a hit for at least until February because it was a movie that opened, I think, at like 6 or $9 million and just slowly kept ticking away, staying on the charts, and eventually made over $100 million. But by the time producers at other movie you know, companies realized, holy shit, we got to jump in on this. At that point, it must be at least February or March, and they put this movie into production, got a script, and cast this thing, shot it, and put the movie in theaters in October of 97, which means the movie was shot and conceived and everything in like six months or less. Hmm. Sounds like a really good, smart studio decision. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. They probably are doing really well right now. So we mentioned at the beginning of this, it's, it was written by Kevin Williamson. He started off with Scream. Uh, this one was actually written before, but once the success hit, they bought this out too. They also bought uh, Scream, uh, The Faculty, Teaching mm. Mrs. Tingle. Wow. And then, of course, he was on Dawson's Creek, which is also mentioned here. He did Cursed. And now the most recent thing he's done is The Following with Kevin Bacon, that serial killer okay. show. Didn't, I didn't get into that. Yeah, but. Not a clip. Hmm. But yeah, let's, let's jump into it. Uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer, or a.k.a. I-K-W-Y-D-L-S, as the kids call it. Mm, oh, that's definitely a shorter way to do it. Maybe we should go for <laughs> Absolutely. So, I-K-W-Y-D-L-S. <laughs> Actually, time. let's not do that <laughs> never at again. all. So, like we said, we started off with that long, sweeping shot over the ocean. Um, and then we, we find this fisherman who's hanging off this ledge. He's drinking, holding a necklace, and... It appears that he's about to commit suicide or something. You're not entirely sure what this, why this dude's here or what his purpose is. It's dark, is. dude. It's like that it's is moody. 90s moody, grungy, like meh. Speaking of grungy, the soundtrack to this movie oh, is God. a whole lot of 90s alternative Lord bullshit. It's bad. It's bad news bears. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, then we f- it just flashes forward. We're not entirely sure how long it has passed because fireworks set off ahead and then we're kind of thrust into the future, I guess. And we're at this Miss Croker Festival. The July 4th Miss Croker Festival. The town isn't called Croker, right? Well, I don't know why it's called Miss Croker. Why are you so confused about this? Everybody knows about Miss Croker. It's such a weird... It's a, Okay, so my immediate thing that I said when I saw this, and, and again, I just want to remind people, I'm seeing this with fresh eyes. My immediate thoughts when I saw this was the fireworks are going off, the band is playing, and they're doing a beauty pageant for the town at the same time. Yeah, this is a small... This is terrible city planning. Yeah, <laughs> a, a small fishing community, and there's so much shit going on there on July It's all over the place. It's and happening. But there's so much 90s quippy dialogue throughout this whole movie that Kevin Williamson perfected in Scream here... It's really bad and lazy and terrible sounding. So Sarah Michelle Gellar, uh, she plays Helen Shivers. <laughs> She's, she is being crowned Miss Croker, I guess, for this year. And we're introduced to this little ragtag gr- team of uh, of these, these high school friends, which they don't look like they should be friends or why they're hanging out no. together. But in the balcony watching this whole thing. The, literally the only thing that these four people have in common is that they're all very good looking. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's, that's absolutely. It. It's like a 90s breakfast club. Yeah, yeah exactly. But with less talented actors. So you <laughs> got... Jennifer Love Hewitt, who's looking gorgeous throughout this Bomb. entire film. Bomb. Stop. She I plays have the Julie biggest, James. I have yeah. the biggest crush on Jennifer Love Hewitt. She have her head. Both. <laughs> Ghost did it have, did it have to, Did it have to end? <laughs> yeah, really. So then we also got her boyfriend, Ryan Phillippe, as mm. Barry Cox. His last name, Cox, and it, it's perfect because yeah. this guy's a dick. Barry is the most hilarious character in this entire movie. Dude, I want to put him in our tournament of terrible male protagonists, and I think we will, but like, I kind of do it under protest because 
I love this character. I love this character. <laughs> like, like the asshole in me yep. loves this character. He's got so many good classically douchey lines. I think one of his first lines that he's introduced to is "Work it, babe." He is such <laughs> yes. He is such a classic '90s jock bully. It's so perfect. So they're gonna be, they're celebrating Miss Croker's win. All right, there's there's beach parties going on downtown. It's a pretty crazy scene. Anyway, we cut forward in time where they're chatting on this deserted beach. I, I you know, and I'm gonna stop you right there because I feel like we kind of brushed over the star of this movie. Oh my god, we did. We we did. We brushed yeah. over the star of this movie because we've talked about uh, Ryan Phillippe and uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yeah, I failed um, to mention him and, because and, he's a and, waste of space. He's an absolute no, waste of space. But he's probably the most important part of this podcast um <laughs> freddie prince jr we need to talk about his acting abilities because they're lacking ray bronson is the character I believe it's like they set out a casting call they were like hey we need a mouth breather yeah <laughs> hey julie it's me I, no, that's not what he sounds like. But what's weird, also weird is they have half the cast of Scooby-Doo in here. And half the chats, cast of Scooby-Doo. Freddie Prince Jr., as we all know and love, yeah. wound up going on to marry Sarah Michelle Gellar. Mm-hmm. And they have two lines in this movie. And there's actually a really funny scene later on where she doesn't talk to him, walks right past him, and they have this really weird, like, there's an animosity between them. But their love I was going to say, but, but when you watch that scene, you thought they were going to bone, right? You can tell right? he yeah. wants to bone. Oh, absolutely. Because he's also a terrible boyfriend to, to Jennifer of Hewitt's uh, character. Okay, so now that we've appropriately introduced Freddie Prince Jr., we also failed to mention one other character that's introduced. It's Max, played by Johnny fucking Galecki. Which, <sighs> if you don't know who Johnny Galecki is, he is the gentleman who plays uh, what's his name? I don't know. It's a, it's Big Bang. He's um, on the Big Bang not Sheldon, Theory. but the, the other, other guy. I don't yeah. know. He's in Christmas Vacation. He's that's also in Roseanne. From. Yeah, absolutely. Roseanne. Yeah. I, I mean. Okay, I'm not a fan <laughs> of Big Bang, so whatever. Yeah, anyway, but he, he's in the, he's in this movie as well, and he is I think five foot four, but acting as if he's six two because every single line that Freddie Prince Jr. or Ryan Phillippe feeds him, he comes right back with some sort of quippy. Oh, he puts it in their face. Yeah, he's got some tiger claws, and they're out. And now, so again, they're back on the beach. They're all telling. This is really weird. They're all telling urban legends or the same urban legend, this ghost story about the town. But it's the same urban legend that all of us know about some guy with a hook hand and, like, knocking on a window where these people are making out. What's weird is that the next year, Urban Legend, of course, comes out in 1998, which is set at a college. The exact same, like, you know, almost cast, Jared Leto and a bunch of Joshua Jackson. Rebecca Gayhart. And they actually do the scene about the hook, well, they at least discuss the hook hand scene. It's just, it's very strange how all these movies seem to just kind of pull parts and pieces from each other to... It's kind of like this thing that we do now with all the cinematic universes where the every film that comes out is somehow connected now but they didn't acknowledge it. No, it's just ripping each other off. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So they're all chatting about this story and I have to only mention this because Jennifer Love Hewitt, she's she's, you know, the good girl. She's her name I mean her name is is Julie James. That sounds very sweet and innocent. Yeah, you gonna you're gonna go after some chick named Julie James. Good luck. She is not the town harlot, I can tell you that. Freddie Prince Jr., however, he runs up to her after they've just talked to this, this story. She's just like walking gracefully on the beach and she's happy running her toes through the sand. And then Freddie Prince runs up and he's like, I'm gonna hook you <laughs> <laughs> Like tackles her onto the sand. It's pretty funny. <laughs> 
So we're about 10 or 15 minutes in when the plot kicks in. This actually movie does move fairly quickly. It's an hour and 40 minutes or so, and it doesn't drag too much. There's a few scenes that we'll get into later that drag, but they're immediately set into the kind of plot of this. So they're driving back. They're all pretty tipsy. Ryan Philby, like the badass character he is, decides to stand up in the moving vehicle, um, drinking alcohol, shouting. There's some heavy metal music playing. Dude, I cannot express to either of you how much I love this character. <laughs> like, I really do. Like, you you can ask Brandon, the entire movie, I was like, he's my favorite. Like, he's, he's incredible. He's such a stereotypical 90s tough guy. It's incredible. And he's wearing such baggy sweatshirts. Oh, it does. So sweatshirts. much wind. Dude, you there's so Ryan Phillippe's in there. There is so much space between his chest and his shirt, dude. <laughs> it's incredible. You, you know after every cut, he's like, yeah, I fucking nailed it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he's high-fiving like, everybody on yeah, set. Oh, yeah. he looks he looks straight at Freddie Prince Jr. He's like, that was a good take, right? And was Freddie, Freddie, yet, and Freddie Prince That was like, really good, Ryan. Really good, Ryan. Oh, it was a great <laughs> take. <laughs> I know he's really just Scooby Doo is what we've done. But anyway, he's he's driving. He looks over and he's just so dis- distracted by Julie's prettiness that uh, he winds up hitting this guy, this fisherman who's walking across the road. And what's awesome about this is the guy rolls over Ryan Phillippe's body, looking appearing as if he breaks his back. But oh, he, yeah. he's all good. Rolls over him. The car spirals out of control, and they stop. Realize what they've done. They get out of the car. And then she picks up that boot, and all I can think of is scary movie. Like, exactly. We get a boot. <laughs> yeah. It's so, so good. Until the boot back and knocks the guy out. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, they realize that they've killed this guy. And there's this whole back and forth, like, Ryan Phillippe is escalating so quickly. Dude, Ryan Phillippe. Uh, okay. It's established that he's hammered in this scene but he just like I, like zero to a hundred quicker than drake like it's insane <laughs> how just like upset he gets about literally anything that's said what, what surprises me so you knew scary movie i rewatched it re- last year and then lachlan lachlan monroe goes insane yeah and i forgot how much he's just like pretty much recreating he really is what ryan Phillippe did yeah he's not over exaggerating that much <laughs> there's also this hilarious part that once they do hit the guy, there's like a moment of silence and, and fucking Freddie Prince like turns over and he's like, I think it was a dog or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> no. Of course it was not. Freddie Prince Jr. does not close his mouth in this movie. He it's doesn't. No, it, no, like, his awful. mouth is always open Every in this movie. Every reaction to it. It's like you just asked him the hardest math question and like he's just trying to solve it in his head before he answers anything. It's really bad. But so again... Ryan Phillippe really escalating the tension here. He's like, and there's another a classic Freddie Prince Jr. line. He's like, it's manslaughter. We're all going to fry. Uh, yeah, <laughs> That's not how the law. Everyone here has a drastic misunderstanding of the law. If, if, they, anybody, if, anyone read a, if a law anybody reads a book, <laughs> this movie doesn't happen. Exactly. <laughs> they call the police and they're like, hey, we hit somebody. He was crossing on a pinpoint turn. Or I would say have basic knowledge of any kind of pulse. Exactly. Yeah. Check the pulse. Yep. Oh, they they claim to check the pulse too. They're like, oh no, he's dead. He, he's clearly alive. Ah. Yeah. Ah. So yeah, they spend ten minutes <laughs> in the middle of this road where no one appears to drive by or anything until Max, aka Galecki, pulls on up and uh, again. The best part, Freddie Prince Jr. walks over to him. Ryan Phillippe pretends to be puking um, so that, as if to distract him from the body they just hid. And he's like, hey, what's going on, Max? And, and Galecki <laughs> flies with like, you could, he's like, what can I do for you, Max? And Galecki's like, you can start by wiping that shit-eating grin off your face. <laughs> and again, I just want to, this is Leonard from the Big Bang. Leonard, <laughs> yeah. 
Like, go ahead and watch a scene where he's in the Big Bang Theory, and then go ahead and watch him in this movie. He's acting like the biggest tough guy in the world. It's insane. So they uh, pack the body in the trunk. They bring it down to this pier, and they decide, you know, we're going to throw it overboard. We're going to make a pact that we cannot talk about this ever again. We take it to our graves. So before they kick the body in or whatever, because Freddie Prince Jr., Loses his balls and can't do it. So Sarah Michelle goes like, I'll fucking do it. So they're about to kick him off when he wakes up and he grabs her crown. The crown she won is Miss Croker. And uh, falls into the water. Ryan Phillippe's like, fuck! Oh yeah, Ryan Phillippe. If they're trying to be like sneaky about this, Ryan Phillippe is screaming at the top of his lungs. Jumps into the water and grabs the uh, crown. The guy wakes up. Classic jump scare of his eyes opening underwater. Which I saw coming, too. Yeah, of course. You I, see I, I, I do it's really, terrible. before we go forward, I want to mention, I was never scared in this There's movie. Not, There's not a single no. scare in this movie. Even a jump scare. Nothing terrifies not me work. I think I was scared that Ryan Phillippe would kill somebody on set. Yeah, no, that's true. Like, he's in a roid rage after. Pretty soon, like, Punches yeah. a grip in the fucking mouth. They're oh, gonna find true. an uncovered tape, like a Christian Bale type, with yeah, him just like exactly. no video, just audio of him like, what "The fuck you doing? Over My there, hair man? is not curly enough in this scene. I'll <laughs> fucking kill you. Why is this tank top not tighter? <laughs> My sweatshirt is not baggy enough, and I'll kill everybody. You can only fit two men in this sweatshirt. <laughs> yeah." <laughs> So this is the best, dude, because this is where the pact comes in. Everyone agrees, but Julie is having a hard time doing it. Ryan Phillippe straight up fucking chokes her out onto the side of the car like, we take this to our graves! And Freddie Jr. is straight up chilling there, not doing a thing, watching his girlfriend get choked out by Ryan Phillippe. Do it every night. You're hurting her! <laughs> I can't do that voice. So... God. They finally make the they make the deal and boom we're flashed to one year later. Okay, she's leaving college now. She looks completely different. There's no volume in her hair. She nope. doesn't. She's have not wearing makeup. makeup. Yep. And you can also tell this is college because there's some sweet freaking '90s songs playing, man. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm in college. 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 Books and smarts and tits and life. Drinking beer, hanging with my friends. College. <laughs> That's how I assume the song went. I've never been to college, so yeah, that, that's what I assume college is like, too. But yeah, baggy eyes and everything. She's slipping in her grades, and then her, she decides she's going to go back home for summer break. So her mom's giving her all kinds of shit about the way she's looking, the way she's acting, and she's like, hey, this note came for you, by the way. Um, it's written in this... <laughs> this oh, I can't talk about The handwriting, I can't describe... I, there's n Dude, it's like they asked an intern. Yeah. Oh, we don't have a note for this scene. Get the intern to write it. I don't I care. Bro, I need it. Like, a fucking black Sharpie. I don't like, give it literally, an exclamation point, too. It has an exclamation point, the, the message, but... It, it might up. as well have had a heart over it. Might as well have. I know what you did last summer. <laughs> so, yeah, she opens this white note, very ominous, no uh, postage, no return address or anything. And all it says is, I know what you did last summer, exclamation point. We also found out that her dad's dead now? Did he die in between that? Or are they just bringing up the fact that the dad is dead? Because the mom like brings it up to the surface. She's like, your dad would be rolling in his grave if he saw you right And, you know, now. it sounds like that's going to be like a thing. But it's yeah. never a thing. There's it also, is, it yeah. at no point in this movie is it like, oh, my dad wouldn't have wanted me to drown some guy in the lake. No, it's just like, hey, your dad's dead. It's like an explanation for, hey, we ran out of money to cast a male father. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Uh, so Julie and Ray, uh, Freddie Prince Jr., they've broken up now. They haven't Ooh. seen each other since. So she decides she's going to bring this note to uh, Philippi and Geller and get their take on it. Um, and Ryan Philippi immediately is like, this is fucking bullshit. Someone's just messing with us. This is probably Max. Dude, Ryan Philippi's the best. <laughs> He's he's literally the best. He he'll make our our tournament of terrible male protagonists. But oh god, I love Ryan Philby in this movie. So, I love him. So during this little scene, he's chatting with Julie and Helen, and he says, "You two look like shit run over twice." And they're like, "Why? Why?" Are yeah, and Helen dick? is like, "Well, you're a prick," and he's just like, "Looks that, at like a serial yeah." He killer, looks yeah. he looks at her like that's that's a step too far. And Julie's <laughs> like, "Come on, like what about this note?" And he's like, "Come on, Julie, how do you even know it's connected? You did a lot of things last summer." <laughs> <laughs> we just kept like thinking the whole time, like, what if this is just about the time she like I don't know shit behind a school or something, something she didn't do that she's thinking the murder, but really it was something completely different she did that song. Right. Right. Well, and like, I clean this fucking shit up all night. <laughs> <laughs> like, Why would you do this? You to me? killed someone too? Exclamation point. <laughs> so apparently, in the newspaper, uh, they they read of this man named David Egan. Okay, now he's Great the man name. that they found, I guess. And they reported it as an accidental drowning. Because he was caught in a net or something. Yep. By the way, this is a coastal North Carolina fishing town, in case you didn't know. Yeah, I don't know what they fish for there, but it, it seems Apparently everything. It seems like every here, yeah. fish, crab, uh, shrimp, apparently, because they said he was caught in a shrimp net. Uh, they fish for everything on the coast of North Carolina. Didn't know that. Gorton's fish sticks? Right. They fish strictly what? for breaded fish sticks. <laughs> That's the fucking. That's the. That's the. Sorry. That's the. That's the company that has the little. The guy in the coat, raincoat. The fish stick. Oh. Wait, wait. The guy with the yellow. Yeah. I thought he was Long John Silver. Who's that guy? I don't know. Some guy who runs a chain of restaurants. I'm just saying Gordon Fisher. Someone Look, ought to use the Fisher Slickerman guy as yeah. like a logo for a fast food restaurant. Yeah. Look out for our new podcast, What's the Deal with Seafood? <laughs> Coming up on What's iTunes. What's the deal with seafood? <laughs> What's the deal with seafood? <laughs> so speaking of pointless backstory for a, a character's family, Freddie Prince Jr. talks about how his dad is a fisherman that he's never met. It's setting up this red herring that literally never gets paid off. It means nothing to the end of the story, but there's this whole scene where they're like, oh, yeah, I don't know my dad, and he's a fisherman, and I'm worried that, oh, that's what they look like. Thanks, Jamie the Gordon's fish sticks. Thanks. Thanks. That's really good for a podcast. It's for your enjoyment only. So right now, we are at 37 minutes in, and if you don't count the person in the beginning, which I don't because of later events, this is the first fucking death in the movie. 37 minutes in to a 90s slasher, and Mm. I haven't seen anyone die except for the guy get hit by a car. Again, very unviolent in my opinion. So finally, Max gets slaughtered. This is actually a pretty cool scene. I think one of my favorites in this movie because it actually takes you by surprise. He's in there like doing steaming crab or some yeah, it's, shit. It's, but it's also tough to tell what he's doing. No Maybe fishermen understand it. I don't. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, the fisherman comes in. He's dressed in that like black slicker, which is kind of cool for a villain. I've always liked the look of this. I like the hook. Um, you can't see his face and whatnot. And he shoves it through Galecki's chin and pulls him over the counter. Kind of cool. Kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, but again, 37 minutes in until we see anybody straight up murdered in this far horror too long, movie. Far too long, and again, takes place in maybe five seconds and the, and the scene is over. Very quick deaths. Just not enough gore. Needed way and more And this is the first in 37 minutes, and then we don't see another one for like another half hour. Yeah, it's an hour and 12 minutes until the next Until the next death happens. in this movie. Yeah, which is shocking, right? So Ryan Phillippe is at the gym, pulls up in his fancy car, which is now fixed. And first off, I don't know why he's wearing dog tags. He clearly wasn't in the military. It's super disrespectful. Super disrespectful, dude. <laughs> so 
he, while he's in there, uh, he winds up getting a note, a picture of his car that says, I know, on the back. And all I can think of, again, is from Scary, Scary Movie. Movie, is where he finds the picture of the little dick that says, <laughs> yeah. I know. And yeah. so funny. Laughing at a guy with a small dick's like laughing at a guy in a wheelchair. <laughs> Terrible. Again, Scary Movie made this film way more popular oh, than sure. this film did. So... Someone steals his jacket. I don't know how it happens, but the fisherman, again, defies the laws of uh, gravity and logic because he's, he's in one place and the other. This is just a common, you know, horror movie trope that Kevin Williamson, you know, makes fun of in Scream and Scream mm-hmm. 2 and, and, and in Scream 4 even. It's that just, he can just move without anybody yeah, noticing him. That's, and exactly. It's, it's really ridiculous. But so, so Philippi hears his car getting started. He sprints out to the parking lot and finds the guy like backing up with his car. And then he turns on the lights and starts chasing down Philippi to run him over. And in classic Prometheus style, <laughs> oh, this God. guy can't zig or zag, just keeps running in a goddamn straight line when he could easily evade the car. The only time he does take a left, it's in an open parking lot where someone can easily follow him. Yep, and so he winds up getting hit by the car, sent through like a fence and whatnot, and uh, getting pretty hurt. But instead of ending this character's, you know, misery at this point, the fisherman gets out of the car, walks over to him, takes his hook out... And the guy's just screaming, like, help me, help me. And instead of cutting, it's a fade to black. And it's really confusing. Why wouldn't you kill Ryan Phillippe in this scene? The I sh- don't understand. The shot is looking up at the fisherman, very intimidating, fade to black. And then he wakes up in the hospital. What the fuck? You'd think that would be the end of his character. Like, that's yeah, fade to black be. is death. I, like, listen, I love when horror movies don't follow the script. Like, you know, like, oh, you expected this, but this happened instead. But literally, there's no logical reason why he doesn't kill Ryan Phillippe in this scene. No, and so this is this scene, and then there's another scene where he's toying with Sarah Michelle Gellar's character, and he winds up either cutting her hair out or putting something in her shampoo to make her hair fall out, whatever he does. Yeah, he's like, he's like in her closet nobody notices him she goes to bed and instead of killing her he just cuts her hair yeah so it's like he takes all this time and effort to just like fuck with these kids but this movie needed more characters to knock off if they wanted to keep these central characters for later on in the movie just establish a couple other characters that are either with them or they know about the crime that can get killed off because there's just nothing we're literally watching this killer play fucking pranks for 25-30 minutes like an adult problem child exactly <laughs> yeah, 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 I mean yeah. there's there's a reason why these horror movies have like six or seven characters it's mm-hmm. so you can kill off like four of them without yeah. anybody caring yeah. so at the end of this scene uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar finds soon written in lipstick on her mirror as she's just screaming. People scream for days in this movie. And nobody cares. (laughs) So then we cut to uh, Julie James. She's driving around and she hears this weird sound in the back of her car. Sounds like weird clicking. She pulls over and finds Max's dead body, bloated, gross body with crabs all through her trunk. So she freaks out, decides she's going to leave the scene. She runs, gets her friends, Ryan Phillippe and Sarah Michelle Gellar. And you know that by the time they're back to the car... Everything is cleaned out, but to the to the extent that he has vacuumed this trunk out in in eight minutes. And less. this is one of the funniest ideas that we thought of when we were watching this movie. The idea that she runs away to go tell her friends that it's there's like, crabs and like a dead body in her trunk. And this guy like in his full raincoat and hat <laughs> like sprints <laughs> out to her car oh that's abandoned oh oh like opens a trunk shit 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 shit. <laughs> pulls the car throwing all the crabs into his truck then grabs a fucking like Swiffer vac or some shit. Meanwhile so, a yeah. neighbor's driving by like what is that strange man doing? Wait. 
Go, go. Yeah, gets around the tree, finally drives around the tree or drives around a house, looks back and watches them discover the whole thing because this is the scene where she's like, what are you waiting for? Oh, yeah, the, which is another, like, very famous scene from Scary Movie that this was the first time I, I had ever seen it. Mm. And doesn't Freddie Prince Jr. just show up and they're all like, hey, what are you doing here? And they're like, we've all gotten these terrible things that happened to us. And he's like, oh, I, I got a note. And they're like, oh, well, that's that's convenient. But again, it, it's just meant to make you believe it's him when everyone knows, if, yeah. of course, it's not fucking and Freddy yeah, Prince Jr. There's very little evidence minus like a couple hints that it's actually Freddie Prince mm. Jr. So one hour and 12 minutes is now the second death in this. Um, Philippe finally gets it. So the next scene is the Miss Croker parade. And uh, Ryan Philippe is sitting bruised and beaten on the front of this and is just kind of scanning the crowd looking for the fisherman because uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar, very scared, very scared. But she's still the reigning Miss Croker. Which they didn't have in the last pageant. They didn't have the, the last person sitting in front of everything the whole day. No, so we actually yeah, chatted about, yeah, the, the, it's weird that she's forced to watch this whole thing. I don't know how beauty pageants work, but it seems weird that she'd have to sit in a chair and watch everything happen. I mean, usually they just pray it out the old one at the end, right? They don't have them sit down the whole day. I don't think so. I don't think so. No, I don't. I, I don't know. I mean, I watch a lot of pageants, guys. <laughs> There's also this whole terrible, the most boring scene is when uh, they're interrogating Anne Heche's character. So Anne Heche is apparently the sister of this other guy, or no, of that David Egan. And we, if, if this sounds like a chore, it's because the actual logic or the backstory for what happens before they run over this guy is so terribly Dude, written. I, I was telling Brandon, I cannot figure out the logic or the connection between characters in this movie. I think mm. I figured it out at the very, very end. But literally, like, they're just running through things at, like, breakneck speed that are just like, oh, there's this person and this person and this person. And you have no, like, frame of reference for who these people are. And they just expect you to, like, stay with the plot of, like, why someone would be trying to kill them. But seriously, it's a solid 10 minutes of her, them talking about all this backstory about this Egan guy that really doesn't make a whole lot of sense or matter that much when you get to the end because it's not, it's, it's like a red herring again. It, it's just really pointless fluff at this point. So we get back to the Miss Croker Festival, um, and it's now the new, like, talent portion of whatever. Anyway, Ryan Phillippe is once again in the balcony that he was introduced in the movie in, and this is when Sarah Michelle Geller on the stage sees the fisherman approach him from behind, and she's He's like, don't turn around! And then, so he does, and then that's when he, dude, Philippi gets fucking taken out. Which is easily the worst part of the movie. I'm so, so like, I'm so sad that We could have taken it out, yeah. yeah. like, Philippi should have lasted the entire movie. Mm. Should have made all the sequels. Just so, rest in peace. Yeah. <laughs> so, this is where I guess the movie kind of picks up, because it's really been boring as fuck from the first 45 minutes, I'd say. After, there's, of course, that great scene with the, with the actual running and over. We're at an hour 27 now. And people are starting to die. Finally. For the first time in the... I mean, except for one death, this is the first time you've seen any of the main characters actually die, which in a horror movie makes no sense, no. right? Yeah. So Sarah Michelle Gellar is uh, with this cop now. He's trying to take her, I guess, either home or to see her sister mm. just to get her to safety and whatnot. And there's this really weird scene where he's driving and... 
I guess the fisherman has set up a roadblock of some sort. It's just like a yeah. He pretends like, like, like road his car. He pretend. Oh yeah. You know, first it's a road closure sign, which the cop at, you would think in a small town would know like what roads are closed down at this hour. But whatever. He's and like, oh, I'll take a left down this alley. May I mention is one sawhorse in the entire road? <laughs> yeah, just once. Yeah, just oh, just can't go around, around this fucking thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Turn around. So he goes down this alley, and that's where the fisherman has staged this like car breakdown. So the cop pulls over, and in typical, you know, you stay in the back. I'll be right back, and he goes. Over to and again, Sarah Michelle Geller has killed, killed two people this way by shouting at them right before they'd be able to recognize the person, and then they turn to her to be like, "Why are you yelling at me?" And then they get killed. <laughs> this happens with the cop. She's like, it's "Behind you, it's him!" And he turns huh? to look at her, and she just screams, "Behind you!" three times, and then gets and he gets killed and by the fisherman. Obviously, yeah. he gets a, a a hook through the tum tum. That's the tummy. Oh, okay. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah, it's the belly. Sweet, Brandon. <laughs> so of course he wipes his blade, and I've always had a fascination with this as a kid. Why, why are why are serial killers so obsessed with like just like wipes down clean blades? Well, are they worried about their DNA? Well, you got to clean the blade to make sure it doesn't rust. That being said, why does he do it immediately? You know the real answer. You can't spread AIDS, dude. You, this, oh, <laughs> this that's is true. oh no, that's okay. Reagan. Reagan. No, this is the nineties. Yeah, eighties yeah. were pretty bad. No, that's true. Just saying. Yeah. So. She's now on the run, and there's this, uh, I wouldn't call it tense, but I guess it's the moment that would appear to be the most tense in the movie, and that's when he's kind of walking after her. He's doing the typical Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, just going to walk really slowly, and eventually I'll catch up to her. And so once they get to the store that she works at with her bitchy sister, her sister eventually finally lets her in after like knocking on the door for five minutes straight, like, please, someone's going to kill me! I do love Brigitte Wilson, though. She's pretty cute. She's cute. So once she's inside the store, there's a whole run around. The sister winds up trying to lock the door back up again and gets killed in a very unbrutal way. I think he goes to like slash her, and it's literally just like a stream of blood on the window. It's just, it's just, it really pisses me off. It's like watching porn, and there's no end. There's this no. Mo- this movie orgasm. was clearly rushed, right? Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah of course, especially this scene. Yeah. But this is, I think, the one scene I remember from the Boogeyman DVD compilation yes, exactly. series. Yeah, This is, I think, the best scene in the movie. It's one of the best. In terms of atmosphere or tension, is when she's looking around like for the killer, and he's hiding underneath this plastic sheet among the dummies. Very <laughs> immediately recognizable. He does not look like any of the other dummies. You'd just be like, what is that? And, of course, he you know rushes her. Yeah, you can literally, you stare at the middle one, and you're like, the fisherman's under that one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, is it yeah. a mannequin or a fisherman? I can't tell. So he chases her into an alley, and um, this is where she's killed. She's killed against a stack of tires, um, right, you know, feet away from the parade. And it's it's really uneventful, and it's just... Very it's, unceremonious. Very unceremonious, but it's also, like, dragged out. Like, she, her death scene, technically, from the start of him chasing her to the end of it, probably lasts eight minutes long of her, like, running oh, from the yeah. cop to the, to the store to outside. Like, it's just really weird and convoluted and kind of it's just it's just not as fun as you'd expect or want i gotta say it's weird how when the roadblock happened the street was dead and all of a sudden hey there's a parade it's like they just really didn't think of the transition between these scenes well so this is also while we're on the parade this is the third parade in this movie so right. many parades Never this ends. town loves july <laughs> they had uh, they had, they had a parade in the beginning of the movie at night and then they had a parade in the middle of the day and now they're on their second parade of the day at the tail end of the film. I mean, yeah. So then I think this is where the chase ensues kind of with uh, Julie and uh, 
the fisherman. But technically, first, she there's this whole scene where she thinks it's Ray. We obviously know it's not. He's on this boat that has a similar title to something that was referenced earlier. I think it was like Baby Blue or some bullshit. It, it really does it not does matter. It does not matter. Moving on. So I guess we have to break this down. We have to tell, how does this work, Zach? What what actually happened before the guy was killed? So David Egan, this guy named David Egan was dating some girl named Susie Willis. Um, they were involved in a car crash, I believe, the year before the man was run over. The man is actually Ben Willis, who's the mother, or is the father, rather, of Susie, who is upset that only Susie died in the car accident and not David, who was driving. And so he somehow takes his revenge and kills David or was going okay. to kill David, okay. right? So I, I figure this out. Admittedly, maybe under the influence of alcohol. We're all a little buzzed right now, so I apologize if we're rambling, but yeah, this is... Okay, but I I feel like you're muddling this up a little bit with names. So I'm just going to use... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'm just going to go for it. Okay. The boy at the beginning of the film who's sitting on the cliff, let's call him uh, guy number one. Okay. He was dating a girl. Yep. They got in a car accident that was pretty much his fault. Right. The, The girlfriend ended up dying. So then the father of the girlfriend went to kill guy number one. He did. The father ended up getting hit by the car from our four heroes, if you want to call them that, our four heroes. Um, And then they thought he was dead. He did not die. He then took guy number one and planted him in the water to make it look like he drowned by accident while he could stay in hiding, plotting his revenge against the four people who hit him with his car, and left him for dead. So this is all just to prove or to, to alleviate the four central characters' sense of guilt by knowing that they killed a bad guy? Because just take the whole fucking bit of the backstory. I'll just have him run over some guy. He's pissed that they ran over and left him for dead, and he comes back to, why do you need this Correct. whole it is, first part? It's, it's so, so overcomplicated. It, 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 it's pointless. And this is why this movie probably didn't get picked up before Scream. Because it's just, it's so complicated, it's so unnecessary, why bother? Exactly like you said, just make him, like, run over a random person, he gets his revenge. Apparently this is actually based on a novel and shares almost nothing uh, similar to it. The the author, Lois Duncan, stated openly that she hates this movie because the filmmakers turned her book into a slasher film, especially detested it after the death of her 18-year-old daughter who was murdered in 1989, so... By a car? <laughs> By a fisherman. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's it. That Either way, sense. this podcast got really dark. <laughs> so, yeah, we're wrapping up here. So, again, Freddie Prince Jr. and his eternal fucking dirt face winds up, like, chasing after in a mini boat after Julie James is kind of trapped on this boat by the fisherman who reveals his whole stupid plan in a really long-winded, like, explanation. I'm the bad guy, and this is why I did it. And Freddie Prince Jr. jumps onto the boat and tries to fight off the fisherman, and uh, the whole time he's he's got his mouth open, he's got his stupid face, <laughs> stupid stupid face. He Freddy gets Prince bitch Jr. slapped by this hook like three times. Yeah, not and the fisherman never uses the pointy end of the hook. He <laughs> yeah. just always backhands him with the hook. Just uh, use the end and kill Freddie <laughs> yeah, Prince Jr. Kill Freddie Prince Jr. Favor and kill Please, FPJ. for the love of God. So his in a in a wonderful you know in poetic justice, a wonderful sense of irony, uh, the fisherman loses his hand after it's caught in a net and Freddie Prince Jr. sets off this stupid trap that 
rips him up there, and his hand gets cut off. He falls in the ocean, and uh, the boom. You know, we get the classic drawback dolly shot of, oh, the police and ambulance are here. Everything's okay. They're wrapped in a blanket, and he's talking like, I love you. No one gets me like you do. And she's like, I understand your pain. <sighs> Flash to one year later. One year later, and it's the same. Back to college campus, bro. <laughs> I swear to God, it's the same shot, too. College! Living on college campus! Eating lots of ramen! Asking mom for money! <laughs> Gold pizza and keg stands. So. They say that they only find his hand, um, so you know he's coming back. And, by the way, he has this pretty badass little sign-off line. The last line he says before he dies is like, When you leave a man for dead, you make sure he's really dead. Which is actually, I think, the tagline for the movie. So... This is a dumb movie. But... We get a last little scene here. She's like in the shower. Uh, again, very sexy. Very beautiful. Talking to Freddie Prince Jr. on the cell phone. Like, mm. I'm, you can ravish me once I get back there. That's an actual line, too. That's not yeah, we like had to stop being... and rewind it because you had to, like, let it set in. Yeah, I had to let that line set in. She actually says that on camera. Wearing nothing but a towel. Wearing nothing but a towel. Jennifer Love Hewitt became a pretty famous actor. It says, in two weeks, you can ravish me. That's a line. <laughs> I don't know what just happened. It's a line in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so so she's uh, about to get in the shower. Then she realizes, oh, she's got mail. You believe, oh, shit, it's going to be another one of these notes. And she opens it up. And it's just for like a Kappa pool party, brah. Everything's still cool. Everything's all hunky-dory. She turns around to get into the shower. And in the fog, in the mist, in the steam of this locker room, she finds I still know written on the shower door. And she starts to freak out, turns around, looks back, and he busts through, and fucking cut to black, we get a little hush. Hush, hush, thought I heard a call of my name now. And that's, and that's, so I know Zach, what you did last summer. So as someone summer. who's never seen I Know What You Did Last Summer, what are your immediate thoughts? <laughs> we just watched this movie. We're fresh. Fresh yeah, in no, our minds. literally just watched this movie. Um, I mean, it, my immediate thoughts watching this movie is, like, I, I'm struck by how... 90s this movie is oh yeah i mean just the from everything from the music to the costumes to the idea that like high school matters or whatever i just everything is so just quintessential 90s it's it like it strikes me at how popular this film ended up being because it's so bad well speaking of the popularity of this film so this had two sequels i still know what you did last summer which stars a white Rastafarian Jack Black mm. as a stoner character who gets killed uh, with a pair of hedge clippers. It's it, if you don't have time, just look that up. It's on pretty YouTube. magical. That, we just watched that clip's it. Yeah, pretty crazy. damn funny. Pretty damn funny. Uh, they also replace Sarah Michelle Gellar and Ryan Phillippe with Brandy and Mackay Pfeiffer. It takes place in the Bahamas, and it's even worse than this film. However, more gore and I think a little more TNA. There's also what's his name, uh, Jamie from. Uh, Castle Freak and Reanimator and Frighteners. What's his name? Jeffrey Combs. Jeffrey. He's also in that movie. Yes. I'm glad yes. you clarified that he's in Castle Freak because so many of our listeners <laughs> know what Castle oh Freak is. Why would you leave, leave with Castle I, no, Freak? I don't know why yeah. I did that either. But anyway, then it was also followed up by a direct-to-DVD release. I'll always know what you did last summer. Apparently this does not follow the same characters. It's got a cheap cast. Oh, so it's not canon. It's not canon. It's, Absolutely. It's, it's yeah. not I know what you did <laughs> last summer canon. Fan, yeah. Good to know. Again, I really want to know 
so interestingly enough, though, in 2014, Sony has released that they will be planning to remake this. Uh, the guy who did Mike Flanagan, who did Oculus, Ooh. Hush, a few other good movies, is actually planning to remake this. Um, again, nothing to do with the book, but more in line with the film. And listen, I um, uh, this is one of the only rare times that I will say I'm okay with that because I think this movie, what this movie suffers from, this 90s movie, is being made in the 90s. It suffers from bad direction. It suffers from terrible acting. It suffers from not really knowing what people want out of a slasher film. If you make this film now, there are tons of really good directors and really good studios who could make this into something that modern-day audiences want, and it's a good enough plot that everybody kind of emulates it. Sure. Um, so I'm okay, actually, with the remake. Yeah, like you said, this this film isn't directed very well. It's directed by a guy named Jim Gillespie, who only went on to do that Sylvester Stallone movie, I See You, from 2002. Did you ever see that? It was like a so horror good. movie. So <laughs> good. Anyway, uh, you're you're absolutely right. I, I, I find it hard to believe this is written by the same guy who did Scream, because it, it, it literally is the exact film that Scream is sending up and subverting, and... It really like blows my mind to watch this movie and then that movie and to know that, one, it's written by the same guy, but this came out after Scream. You think, almost in the wake of films after The Cabin in the Woods or whatever, how do you go backwards after they've just released this, like, you know, this 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 groundbreaking film that, like, kind of transcends the, <clears throat> the genre and flips it all on its head? It just seems really ass-backwards. Right. <clears throat> it's like he hit, meant to hit Command-Q and hit Command-S and then said, <laughs> oh... What else you got? All right, here you go. Yeah, some bullshit exactly. I wrote years ago. And again, I think that might be the case with a lot of his other scripts because the faculty teaching Mrs. Tingle cursed. I like the faculty though. The faculty's cheesy fun, and it's Robert much Rod- better than Robert this Rodriguez movie. directed. And he's it. a good director, yeah. yeah. And so sure. even I think with a subpar script, he, he was able to make a good movie. This this just is is it's boring. It's mm-hmm. boring. There's not enough gore. The acting is pretty poor for the... I wouldn't say for the most part, because some of the characters are fine, but Freddie Prince Jr. really sticks out like a sore thumb. It's bad that they were like, oh, we need Freddie Prince Jr. in the sequel. Yeah. Like, that's oh, yeah. terrible. That's, draw- John that's such a bad idea. John in the sequel. Yeah. Uh, so I will say a, couple, a little bit of tidbit of trivia here. Uh, when the original trailer for this movie came out... Uh, it came with the tagline, from the creator of Scream. And Miramax, owners of the franchise, sued Columbia Pictures because <laughs> they technically saw Wes Craven as the creator of Scream right. and, and successfully won. So they had to pull all the trailers and take, wow. the, take the line out. Nice. Let's go ahead and go into the ratings. Brandon, what was it rated on Rotten Tomatoes? So a 5.6 on IMDb and a 35% on Rotten Tomatoes. All right, Jamie, you're our guest. Let's start with you. Uh, based on a Rotten Tomatoes score of 1 to 100, what do you give this movie? Uh, in honor of this episode, a hot 10. Ooh, Ooh wow. wow. 10%. A 10%. Wow. So that is rough. Justify, your, justify yeah. your 10. It, like you, we mentioned many times before, the film just isn't written properly. It's it, it really does feel like it was his first draft and he went to write Scream because he's making fun of himself. Like, wow, what a stupid movie I just wrote. Let me write something that's fun and, and subversive instead of this is what I have to offer. Yeah. It's like right. he's it's like his first script ever and he's like, all right, I'll work on these characters later and it he never shows, really does yeah. anything. And I don't know, it just it feels like it, it's half assed in every single way. I can't believe he made this much money and got a sequel or let alone yeah. two sequels. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, it's just a hot piece of trash. Wow, man! <laughs> wow, Whoa, that's a rough ten. Stuff. That's the lowest score we've ever had yeah. on the show for sure. I'm not. I'm not here. Really. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brandon, go ahead. You know, it's got some things going for it. A beautiful cast: Jennifer Love Hewitt, Sarah Michelle Gellar, uh, Freddie Prinze Jr. <laughs> no, but but seriously, it's got. You know. I'm a sucker for slasher films, and so I like the look of the villain. I think the central plot, without all the muddied, convoluted bullshit that he adds in there, I think is worthy of a of a film. And it, I like the fact that it's kind of a 90s time capsule, and it really mm. feels like a 90s movie. We've watched a few movies that are kind of a slog to get through, but I was entertained throughout watching this. It's not a good movie. But I was smiling and having fun with people. I feel like it's a movie you could watch with your friends. I think I Still Know What You Did Last Summer is the better movie to watch with your friends because it's more over the top, even dumber, mm-hmm. and it just has Jack Black as a white Rastafarian stoner. Like, how do you not want that in your life? But I'm mm. going to give the first one here, I'm going to give it a 25. A 25? I'm going to give it a okay. 25. All right. So, again, just a reminder to audiences, if you haven't been listening for the past hour, um, this is me with fresh eyes. Um, this movie, I think, what it, what it has going for it is its plot. I think this is a plot for especially horror films that kind of has been reflective on the genre for a very long time in terms of the antagonists have a guilty conscience. They have something to hide. They're not perfect antagonists. And it, and it comes back to haunt them, literally. And I think that, um, you know, I think that is something that is kind of reflected in the genre throughout for the last 20 years almost. Yeah. That being said, it's not a good film. It The acting's bad. The shots are really bad. It's put together very messy. Uh, you know, not, not a lot connects with each other. Um, but what... If there's one thing that it has going for it is the general premise. And so for that, I think I'm going to give it a 20. Okay. A 20 um, just because Ryan I think... Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> Ryan Phillippe. Because, oh my God, he's incredible. Work it, babe. That is a hindsight character because, like, he's not cool, obviously, in 1997. No. But in 2017, <laughs> I he's hilarious. He's so funny. Like, it's, he's just like, oh, my God, that's a 90s bully. That's perfect. Yeah. So I'll give it a 20, and I will say, once again, I'll reiterate, I think this movie would actually benefit from a remake. Sure. Mike Flanagan's a, a good director. Oh, my God, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I think if anybody's going to take it, he, that's capable hands as any. Um, we're seeing a resurgence of these movies coming back. Danny McBride and David Gordon Green mm-hmm. are yeah. Halloween Returns. There's still being talks about trying to do a Friday the 13th remake and a Nightmare on Elm Street now with uh, David Sandberg is, wants to do a Nightmare on Elm Street reboot. After Shazam. Yeah, after Shazam. Right, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, this, is, this goes to show, though, that this genre doesn't die, and horror fans are some of the most passionate fans out there, and they'll continue to watch these movies, despite them being kind of shitty sometimes. And that's why, even at a 25, I will watch this movie again at some point in my life, just to show, you know, somebody, it, it's fun, it's kind of a fun watch. I think horror is one of those genres that you talk about all these films now that are being remade or rebooted. Um, horror is one of those genres that can actually benefit a little bit mm-hmm. from a reboot. I think of Evil Dead, the Evil yep. Dead reboot, sure. I thought was fantastic. Really good. Um, 
and it just seems like as long as you've got a good premise, as long as you've got like a decent plot, there's nothing that you have to pay respect to. Yeah, that's the thing. You're you're certainly not shitting on anything with this movie. Exactly. This isn't sacred ground. No one is going to be pissed that it's like, what? You didn't pay respect to the original I Know What You Did Last Summer? No one's going to be that mad about that. Where's the Max eating shit grin line? (laughs) Right. Why doesn't uh, Ryan Phillippe's character play college football? That's crazy. (laughs) No one's going to think that. So I think horror is one of those genres that would benefit from a reboot and just strictly based on concept alone. Perfect timing for this episode, the late summer uh, month of August. We're wrapping up uh, the summer, sadly, moving into September, Mm -hmm. which is going to be a good uh, point for our next episode. Now, this is a movie I've never seen. Jamie, interestingly enough, did a, a, a 52 pickup, a review of this film pretty recently. Zach, why don't you tell us about the movie that we're going to be doing next? All right, so again, we're trying to do this thing where I haven't seen a movie that Brandon has. Brandon hasn't seen a movie that I have. This is one of my, me being a sports guy, this is one of my favorite sports films ever. Rookie of the Year. Wow. Yeah, yeah, so I've never seen this Baseball season's winding down. Uh, The Cubs obviously winning the World Series last year. Mm. It's more relevant than ever. Yep. Um, Rookie of the Year is a, a just a fantastic kids movie but also just a movie about an underdog and i'm so excited so excited to watch this movie and an abusive stepdad <laughs> i was gonna say james yes, you just an watched abusive this movie. stepdad in this give movie. us a taste a bit about rookie of the year what we can expect for those who haven't seen it. like me I, sure. I all i know is thomas ian nichols <clears throat> nicholas right nicholas. A kid from american pie is in this yes movie. He american, is, pie. american pie american pie american <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, this film is is very similar. It's one of those twin movies like that, and Angels in the Outfield came in out with relatively the six month period. Oh, okay. And uh, it's a sports movie about a kid who somehow plays in the uh, major leagues, and because he ha- he hurt his arm, and he has this magical ability to throw a fucking mean. It, it, there is no scientific backing no, to this movie. Not at all. It reminds me. I don't know if you saw this movie, Jamie, of. Um, this movie called Little Big League, where a child becomes the general manager of the Minnesota Twins. Have not. That sounds. It's unlikely. very similar. It's a very similar movie in concept, where you put someone who's just like very pure. It's it's this idea that you love baseball. Sure. Um, someone who's very pure and like childlike in their love of baseball, and somehow they know the keys to winning because they're not deluded by money and fame. Right. Do you remember The Rookie with Dennis Quaid? Oh, no. of course I remember The Rookie. Great movie. Anyway, that's... Yeah, neither here nor there. Uh, so, yeah. Rookie of the Year next week. I'm excited. I, You know what? I'm excited for you to see it. I think there's a lot of things you'll like in this. A lot like how I watched this movie with fresh eyes um, and just found things funny. I think you'll find a lot of things funny in Rookie of the Year. Well, thank you for listening, for subscribing. We want to give a shout-out to Jamie's podcast. Again, that's Not Quite Hollywood. Jamie, sell them. You're a pitch meeting. This is an elevator pitch. You got one minute. It's your turn, Jamie. Why should should you listen to this? Go. Uh, It is a podcast where we are very vulgar. We don't hold back. We talk about topics and movies that are really fun and that 
can also uh, engage the audience. A lot of games, a lot of uh, interesting uh, conversational pieces, which I mm-hmm. love a lot. And uh, yeah, we talk about more modern things and things you don't see around in, in Maine or anywhere else because we're in LA. We get to see a lot of shit early and we get to talk about and meet directors and it's really cool. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Also tune into YouTube for, like I said, our show We Need Movies. We're slowly adding more content as we speak, so mm-hmm. check back there for some new stuff. And uh, now time for us to plug our own show. You can listen to us on iTunes, Podbean, and a lot of other apps that support podcasting. Um, just search Nostalgia Be Damn. We should be there. Thanks for downloading. Please share us. Let your friends know. Tell your enemies as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, ten episodes. We're really proud. Uh, we've had our ups and downs, especially with uh, things like the network, but we sh- you know, we're, we're doing good. Zach, uh, why don't you guess if you could fill us in on kind of where your journey is? No, yeah. I, I, I started Harvard Law School. I, I joined up uh, last week, and things have been uh, going fine. Okay, well, what about the hazing that I've been hearing about going on? I know you don't want us to touch on that, and I know you I, want, um, didn't want to talk about it. You actually no, explicitly I, mentioned I, beforehand I, I, I you didn't want to talk about no. it, but I feel like our viewers, our listeners rather, uh, kind of deserve to know what's kind of happening. I mean, you. I specifically told you that I didn't want to talk about this. I'm a little upset that you brought it up at all. Um, you know, there have been some things that I, you know, legally I don't want to bring up, especially in public. Um which is kind of messed up for you, so I'm just going to go on record and say it's fine. Okay, ready? Three, two, one. No, it's going fine. Like I'm not. I'm. I'm okay. Like no, no one. You know, no one's harassing me. Every. You know, my frat brothers, potential frat brothers. I'm still pledging. They're cool, man. Don't worry about it. Hazing is not a big deal at Harvard. Uh, I wouldn't say that it is. Um, everybody's very cool there. Been very welcoming with me, and um, no one's made me drink too much or put anything in orifices that I don't want. Sounds like a lot of darkness behind your eyes. Thanks, everybody, for watching our 10th episode of Nostalgia Be Damned. Um, We've had a lot of fun. Jamie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, I think that's it, Brandon. I think it is. Hush, hush. Thought I heard a call of my name now. You going to play that one off? Because it should be. Don't tell me what to do. He's going to play it off. Yeah, I will. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. We will catch you next week. Goodbye. Jamie, really quick. Bye. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Joy, stop.